1: Hi, and welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. We are excited to have you here. I'm Joel Grote.
2: And I'm Lynn Wilder. And do you know that in some areas of the country, former Mormons meet together?
1: Yes, yep, they have groups, support each other.
2: Yeah, and sometimes those groups are not Christian-based. Sometimes they're just kind of based on once having been Mormon, right? But there's a group in the Indianapolis area that are former Mormons who have chosen to keep Jesus but gone yeah. to traditional Christian faith. And so God laid on the heart of a wonderful woman to, be, to start a group here in Indianapolis. And I've known Stephanie for a couple of years, Stephanie Link. And Stephanie kind of first got into this because her husband grew up. LDS, and then they went through a journey to Christ, and you can find that episode on the unveilinggracepodcast.com. Stephanie, welcome. We're going to talk about talking to Mormons today. (laughs) Yeah, and kind
1: of how God has brought you to a place where you have this burden and compassion for um, LDS people in particular, and really it sounds like anybody who needs to know Jesus better, so...
3: So, um, about, I don't know how long ago it's been since my sister-in-law got married in the Nauvoo Temple, um, is when I started to find out about Mormonism and that they believed way different than I ever had imagined.
1: Okay, so this would be your husband's sister. Yeah, my husband's
3: sister. um, She was, I don't know how many years it's been, probably five. I've been a Christian, a believer, for about almost six, but about five and a half to six years. Okay. Um, and so I got interested in studying it. I ended up studying a lot of um, things on YouTube, of all things. I found a lot of videos on witnessing to Mormons, and that's where I ended up finding out a lot of what they believed, because I, I did hear it from the people that were still claiming to be LDS.
1: Sure. And it's so good to go to those primary sources so we don't Aren't assuming a Mormon person believes this, but yeah, we're hearing it from them. Okay, good. Right,
3: and so um, I was—I ended up in a conversation with my um, aunt-in-law, and she is is currently LDS and challenged me to read the Book of Mormon, to have the Mormon missionaries over, and um, so I di- I took her challenge, and I asked her to also read um, parts of the Bible. I had asked her to read John and Romans. I think also Galatians too. Okay. Yeah, um, Those are
1: great places to read. So. Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: So, um, w- the Mormon missionaries came over, um, were, I just fell in love with them. Um, they, they were just yeah. cute as can be very, very sweet. Um, sister missionaries, sister missionaries. Yeah. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we just connected right away. I just was asking them how they were. And they actually happened to be from the same area that one of my uh, sister-in-laws was from.
1: Oh, cool. So there's and a connection so there.
3: I was like, wow, that's really neat. Maybe I can come out and see you when you're done with your mission. Um, so we, you know, we developed connections with um, several of the missionaries. I've To this date, I believe I had like 16 in my home. I have their names oh, wow! And, okay. I, and I pray for them um, every day. Is that because um, they
1: kept rotating them through, you know, they're only in a spot for so long. And yeah.
3: And there's some like they would definitely start doubting their faith and they would move them abruptly. Typically they had planned times where they would be moved. Right. And we knew it, but there was a couple that moved overnight.
1: Yeah. And and <laughs> I've heard, I've definite. heard from, I've heard from more missionaries themselves that I've talked to say, yeah, we can be given as little as 12 to 24 hours notice to have everything packed and ready to move on. So.
3: Exactly, yeah. So um, there was just a couple that were, were moved out suddenly like that.
1: Okay, that uh, you, you knew you'd had an impact on, you knew that.
3: Yeah, and um, I'm still in contact with um, all of the return missionaries because some of them are return missionaries at this okay. point. Okay, cool. Um, so 16 so, over, what, two-year period, one year? Yeah, it's, a, it's almost two, two years. Yeah. Um, so it would have been two years in September, and they just stopped coming. So anyone can do this,
2: because you can go right to the official Mormon website and sign up to have the missionaries come.
3: Yeah, you can ask for a free King James Bible, and they'll bring you that, and they'll also have the sister missionaries or the, or the elders come. Um, And it's
2: good because you learn exactly from their mouth
3: what it is that Mormons believe, right? Right. So the only thing that I did find is that they would um, kind of hide some of the truths, but then they later would reveal that to me
1: um, later on. And that would be the caution to people. um, We'd say only do this if you are a strong believer and you feel God leading you to reach out and we'd also encourage you, whenever possible, to not do it alone.
2: You right. can have
1: somebody else there with you, um, because they are very good at what they do. They can Absolutely. be very persuasive. So,
2: so maybe meeting them in a public, public place where you don't have young family members that are listening in your home. Sometimes, right. yeah. Well, depending on their faith and how mm-hmm. strong they are. Yeah,
3: we actually did have um, my son listen occasionally because he is sixteen. He's able to discern, he's been a believer yes. for a while. Um, but I, I chose to, for the most part, especially in the beginning, have my husband there by my side all the time. As I got to the point where I felt that I knew God's word, I was able to defend God's word, I was able to show the gospel through the scriptures and, and help explain the Trinity on my own. Then I was like, it's okay, honey, you can go upstairs and I just want you to pray while I'm doing this. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So um, that was his role towards, you know, the last year, maybe year and a half.
1: So how was the continuity? If you had that much turnover, did they like brief them so they know? It seems like, you would you just like be going Uh, over the same things? I would
3: be going over (laughs) the same things most of the time. They didn't seem to brief each other, which I thought was very interesting. Because I would say, I don't know if they told you this, but this is what we were talking about. They're like, no, I had no idea. So I was kind of surprised. I mean, they would, they wouldn't switch both of the missionaries out, Okay. but they would, they actually did not usually, I said, I should say they would, um, most of the time just switch one out, but the, the other one wouldn't know what the previous one and I had talked about. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so not a lot of
1: communication between no, the two of them. They even. weren't really
3: that concerned about that. It was just, they came in, um, I always would bring questions and, because you know Lynn and I had actually talked, and um, I, I agree completely with her. When you ask questions, it's not attacking, and you can kind of lead the conversation how you want to lead it.
1: Right, so. and it's really hard to argue with a question. Right. I encourage people all the time, don't make assertions. Ask questions about something and follow up questions, because you can't debate a question.
2: Well, here's a couple of things with that not everybody even within Mormonism is going to believe all the things that are in a Mormon scripture, oh, right? Absolutely. And so people have such individual smorgasbord, you know, <laughs> the way they put together their own beliefs that you really need to know someone and know their heart and know what it is they believe yeah. in order to Um, in any way impact them or touch them and know what parts of Mormonism are important to them questions are right Um, so yeah and the other thing I think we should say up front and you told me before we started recording is the whole vocabulary thing so talk about that for a minute
3: yeah um, so the, the Mormon missionaries will often say the same thing and or at least I think they're saying the same thing but we found after probably Um, six months I kind of was able to decipher what they were saying when they said it Um, so they're using the same word so they're talking about atonement
1: they're talking about salvation
3: race had an entirely different definition and I actually was able to go on the LDS website uh-huh. And look up the word grace mm-hmm. and enabling and power God gives exactly. you in
2: order to live the commandments.
3: Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. "That's not grace, ladies." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: not the not the definition of the Greek word where it comes from. Yeah, not the biblical definition. So I said, "It's
3: unmerited favor," um, you know. So they were actually going back a lot of times to there's a, a college professor that had spoke on um, grace. And Brad Wilcox. There you go. It was yes. him. So yeah. they, they the all it, like are wanting to refer to his talk on on grace and, and I said, so one of his examples was um, the a little boy wanted to buy a bike, but um, his father told him that he needed to save money so he could pay for it. So he scrimped and, and saved, if you will, and was able to produce like a few cents. Um, right. and, and so by his grace and their view his grace was that the son the dad ended up buying the bike for the son and i said that's not grace because even though he doesn't think i mean he thinks he did a lot and he he only did a little that he still is doing some part to earn this bike right Mm -hmm. i said the difference in biblical christianity is that we are given this bike because for no free reason. and clear free exactly and clear. we don't, we don't have to work us. because he loves us exactly yeah. So, so yeah
1: so so much of that terminology sounds the same and what's behind it is so totally different
2: but i would say not one word means the same between Mormonism and biblical faith. So grace is not the same. No. Salvation is not the same. Even angels are not the same. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Atonement is not the same. Right. Um,
1: Jesus as our Savior is not the same. Right. So how did you begin? So, So what did you do when you ran into these differences, when you finally, as you picked up on it, how did you approach them? How did you kind of broach that subject with them? In a way that wasn't offensive, in a way that kind of maybe invited them more into it. What yeah. what did you find that worked?
3: So, um, one of my favorite questions to ask them was: um, so Second Nephi twenty five twenty three in the Book of Mormon says that we're saved by grace after all we can do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I showed them that verse, and then we read Ephesians two eight and nine, mm-hmm. for we're saved by grace. Through faith, and it's not of ourselves; it's a gift of God, so that, so that no, no one, one can, can boast. boast. Mm-hmm. And I would say, how do you reconcile this? And hey, what kind
1: of answers did you get?
3: A lot of blank stares, um, honestly. And then that's when, like, they would bring the Brad Wilcox thing. But mm-hmm. um, most of the time, they would kind of talk around it so that they didn't actually answer the question. Yes, that was one that I would all the time every single person that was stumped and I, and it was okay for them to say, you know, I'll get back to you on that. And I would, I would, right. I, I would encourage that them to do that. And I would say, can you also read Romans three and four, because that also kind of addresses this subject as well.
1: Yes. And, and that's where, you know, a clarification for our listeners is probably helpful too. First of all, dealing with Mormon missionaries who come to your door can be very different from, For example, dealing with a Mormon friend or a neighbor or a coworker. Because the Mormon missionaries are trained to get through the discussions. And at some level, they are trained to sidetrack. It's sometimes hard to get a straight admission. Whereas a friend or a coworker, because there's like no pressure, they might be a little bit more straightforward. So dealing with Mormon missionaries is can be different in some respects.
2: Although I have to tell you, I was just with the IT project in Southern California a couple of weeks ago and we took 36 folks to the LA Temple Visitor Center and there were two sister missionaries that taught us through this presentation. Okay. And I had prompted the students ahead of time to just use those questions. So what do you mean by that? So tell me more about that. Right. And those two sister missionaries readily admitted there was a heavenly mother they readily admitted god the father had a body of flesh and bone other people believe in this two people that's one creature they would say you know trying to explain the trinity it was very interesting to me that none of the doctrines had changed since I was in the Mormon church and, the thing, yeah. and that they were readily admitting many things that were seemed strange to those Christian students and yet um, just through those questions they were able to get there fairly quickly.
3: Right, and what's really good that I've experienced is that the more questions I ask the more curious they become about my faith. So yes. then, you know, they will actually give me an opportunity to share the gospel because I'll be like, really? That's not what, I, what um, I believe. They're like, well, what do you believe? So it opens up an avenue to share. Um, and and I know that so many of them are like on the fence for leaving um, because there was one missionary that actually did say, I don't even know why I came on this mission.
1: Wow. Yes. Um Well,
2: they
3: they lowered that missionary age to 18 for a
2: reason, right? That's great pressure right out of high school to go out. So you have a number of Mormon missionaries that don't necessarily know that they believe this faith they're exploring. So it's a wonderful opportunity for Christians to talk to them. So when we first started in ministry, I would never have heard from a Mormon missionary while they were on their mission. And yet the last two or three years or so, People right on their missions will call me up and ask me yes. questions, wow. which is amazing. I do think many, many young folks who
3: are out on Mormon missions are questioning their faith. Wouldn't you say, Stephanie? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we had at least three or four that we knew were questioning. So which, ag-
1: which again, why the whole questions approach is so winsome because it is invitational It is saying, I care about you. I'm exploring you as a person. I'm exploring your faith. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you what you believe. I'm not going to tell you how you're wrong. And just establishing that rapport, like you say, says, wow, this person cares about me. And I think it invites something within them to care in return and to ask those questions back. And then once we're asked the question, now we've got an open door to share. Whereas if we had just said... Well, here's where you're wrong, and let me show you in scripture how. Then you've just put up a wall. So yeah, that is you so get cool, told Stephanie. That there's
3: the spirit of contention. And yes. We found that out early on, <laughs> in our so, early right. witnessing time. We we've kind of by trial and error figured out what works and what doesn't. So that was definitely a a no no for them. Um, it, it ended up when we did that kind of um, teaching with the missionaries. We ended up with the mission president at our home.
1: Um. Okay. So how did that go? <laughs> yeah, anyway.
3: because
2: literally the Book of Mormon has a scripture that says that contention is that the, the devil. devil. So if you're if you are saying I believe this, um, kind of in a strong way, and you're being very direct with Mormon missionaries, sometimes they'll just default to their Mormon testimony. All of a sudden you hear, I know the church is true, I know Joseph Smith, right. and then you know you have shut the door, and we do not want to get there, right? With right. missionaries.
3: Although when they did do that, I would share my testimony back. I will say <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> but yeah, I, it's, they were more receptive the more questions I asked, for sure. Um, I would sh- often show them also um, because they are so willing to just trust feelings. Um, I would show them Jeremiah seventeen nine, and I have to read it because yes. I don't know it off the top of my head, and nope. one of you guys does. No, nope, that's good. Um, but it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Um, and for them. It's something that they had never heard before. They're taught to trust their feelings.
1: Yes, absolutely. And so
3: I said, you know, I'm trusting God's word because he says I can trust it.
1: It becomes an objective versus a subjective standard for knowing truth. Yeah. Um, And if you're depending on your feelings, when those change, what are you left with? Right. And, and And what do you do? Because I think every performance-based religion has this element of subjectivity so because i've had jehovah's witnesses say a very similar thing well i just kind of know this is true i know you know this is a i've had this internal confirmation Mm -hmm. um i muslims have done the same thing i just have this internal confirmation this sense within me that this is right
2: right Having, having once been LDS myself and struggling with this mm-hmm. now as I'm reading the Bible, one of the most impactful verses for me was in Matthew 15. And I read this 15, 18, and 19, I think it is. For out of the heart come. Okay, so we're talking about the feelings again. So right. from the heart come these kind of things. Evil thoughts murder, (laughs) adultery, sexual immorality, theft. And this one hit me smack in the face. False witness or false testimony. And I realized I could stand at that podium and weep and say, I knew this was true. But that was all coming from my heart, which was a deceitful and wicked place. And it actually could not be trusted. And the other thing I learned from the Bible, right, is that demonic forces and Satan can counterfeit these amazing emotional experiences. And so how do you trust that comes from God, right? Right. But I never learned that in Mormonism. That was something I learned by reading the Bible, right, that you have to be careful of that.
3: Right. So that's why I would bring them back to... The the test of the prophets that are found in Deuteronomy uh, 13 and I know the other one's in 18. Yes, Um,
1: okay. Yes, so here you've got somebody who comes along who's claiming to have a dream or a vision, some kind of spiritual experience, and he's actually able to do things that are impressive, signs and wonders, and yet even with all that, if where he points you is not to the God of the Bible... he's a false prophet he's a false teacher
3: right
2: yeah matthew 24 says there will be a lot of those in the last days right and they'll be able to do miracles and healings and all kinds of crazy stuff that would really deceive people so how do you know
3: uh that's deuteronomy 13 13 verses 1 through 3 and then the other one that i often show them is deuteronomy 18 verses 20 through 22. so there
2: are more than ten. There are eleven or twelve prophecies yes. in the Doctrine and Covenants alone yeah. that Joseph Smith made right. Right, in that the did name not of the Lord. come to pass and cannot come to pass because those people are dead. Right, right. right or that the are events still happened. Still in yes. the scriptures, there are none of those in the
3: Bible. Right, and yet there are prophecies yet to be fulfilled
1: exactly and i remember
3: asking one of the sister missionaries can you show me a prophecy that has come to pass and when looking at it closer it was one about like the war coming the civil war the civil war prophecy yes and and we looked at it closely and it was like that wasn't fulfilled because it said the whole entire world was going to be involved yes yep and so even if a part of it if the whole thing doesn't fit, then it's not a fulfilled prophecy,
1: mm-hmm. right. and that
3: was also very um, easily predicted with what was going on already. In his
1: yes, history. there was a lot. He wasn't alone in in people expecting that to happen. Yeah, and I know we've got we've got a couple of different articles. Where we've gone into in depth into some of those prophecies of Joseph Smith, and just show how historically, well, two things show how the Mormon Church has tried to ignore certain parts of it to let them bolster Joseph Smith and then showing, no, when you look at the whole thing. So yeah, over and over, Joseph Smith meets all the criteria for a false prophet. Right. Um, So do you ever get into some of the New Testament indicators of like a false teacher, a false prophet? Because, um, you know, Jesus talks about by their fruit. um, So what they teach, what they say. Peter will talk about. Um, their character, Um, eyes full of adultery, seducing women, innocent, naive women, um, arrogance, pride. It's it's fascinating when you start working through what does a false teacher, false prophet look like to then take that back to whoever the leader of the performance-based religious group is. And so often you find all those characteristics.
2: And the whole New Testament is all about false teachers coming in behind the true teachers and changing the gospel. So there's lots and lots of scriptures in the New Testament about false Christ,
3: false gospels, false teachers, uh, false spirits even. Yes. And um, I am not a scriptorian, and I'm going to admit that right now. And so Adams Road has written a wonderful cheat sheet, if you will.
2: It's called Bible Topical Guide, and you can find it on adamsroadministry.com. And And we'll link to it. We'll link to it in the show notes so people
1: can go there and find that. An ordinary person who has a heart for people can prepare yourself and you can have an effective witness because you care. And because you want to reach out to them and by being prepared, by asking questions, by caring about the person, you open a whole door to ministry. The people are going to come to you.
2: You offer the word. That is our job is to offer the truth that we know. And then people make their own decisions. Absolutely.
1: So thank you um, you. for being with us, for sharing. Um, And we just encourage you. Um, this episode and all our others are available at our unveilinggracepodcast.com website. Um, we want your life to flourish. And if uh, some of the stuff we brought up, if you're maybe in a performance-based religious group or you're in the process of transitioning, like, wow, I... some of this stuff is so new to me and you're talking like everybody knows about this, by all means, uh, go to the website, write a note to Lynn or to myself. We'll be happy to answer your questions. We can point you into all sorts of direction. Go to the show notes. We'll put links in there to good resources. And we want you to experience the grace that heals.
2: Grace and peace to you. Until next time. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast.